Hello and welcome back to United by the Bucket, the podcast for our communities of belonging here at KFC. This is Team Radio and I am Shafra Gray-Reed. Radio is one of our communities of belonging here within KFC UK and I. And in case you didn't know, it stands for Raising Awareness of Diversity, Inclusion and Origins. It proudly sits alongside Wolfpack, our community of belonging for female empowerment, KF Pride, supporting and speaking out for our LGBTQIA plus communities, as well as Scene, which is all about raising awareness of neurodiversity, and lastly, Talk, which focuses on mental health. In this episode, we are celebrating Black History Month. I, for one, love Black History Month. As a black woman of mixed race heritage, Black History Month is a momentous occasion to recognise and celebrate the invaluable contributions of black people in the UK and the rest of the world. Black History Month gives everyone the opportunity to share, to celebrate and to understand the impact of black heritage and culture. And I am so, so pleased to be joined today by Deo Akinlabi, our regional head of supply chain for KFC Western Europe, Joshua Marriott Brearley, who was one of our incredible equity RGMs in the Midlands and who's now joined us in the RSC as operations project manager. And last, but by no means least, Meg Farron, our general manager for KFC UK and I. Wow, what a lineup. Hi, everybody. Wow, hi. Hey, Chef. How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Chef. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the conversation today, I'm just going to give a quick history of Black History Month. So Black History Month was created to shine a light on contributions of African-Americans in the United States. It was established over many, many years by the scholar Carter G. Woodson and was officially recognised by the US government in February 1976. But in the UK, it was first celebrated over a decade later. And alongside the UK, it is now celebrated in Germany and Canada and I'm sure other places in the world. Black History Month serves as an important opportunity to inspire and empower future generations and also for us to learn about black history. Each year, Black History Month is themed. And this year, Black History Month's theme will be dedicated to honouring the achievements of black women who are often the forgotten heroines of history. And this is actually very apt for me, as during Black History Month, I am reminded to reflect on my own family history. So when my grandparents arrived in the UK from Jamaica during the Windrush period, my grandmother was the first of her 10 siblings. Yes, that's right, 10 siblings. Wow. Yes, I know, to travel to the UK during this period. So she really pioneered this move for my family and really embodied that female heroinism for our family who then stayed in, in Northwest London. In the UK, the Windrush is viewed by many as the start of mass immigration from the then empire and the birth of modern British multiculturalism. The impact that passengers arriving as part of the Windrush, which was 75 years ago now, was transformative in terms of culture, food, humour. The very infrastructure of a society was changed by the Windrush community. And it's this spirit of the Windrush and multiculturalism that I want us to delve into more today and thinking about what that means for us at KFC and how we can celebrate some of our brilliant black leaders. We have an amazingly diverse workforce throughout all of our restaurants and in the RSC. And I want us to use Black History Month to 
really provide a safe space for us to talk about black history, about the black British experience, to share knowledge and learnings amongst the KFC family so we can really reflect and build an even more inclusive environment for all ethnicities and cultures here at KFC. So thank you for joining me, Josh, Dave and Meg, for our Black History Month podcast. So as I mentioned, each year there is a theme for Black History Month. Also, alongside that theme, there is a Black British Power List, which is published every year, which celebrates the top 50 most inspirational black figures in the UK. So, guys, just to start off, you know, let's ease us into the conversation. I would love to know which Black Britain most inspires you. Deo, I'm going to go to you first. Thanks, Shaf. I'm probably going to go for someone that's, um, I would say, a bit more current. Mine is Tomsey. Um, nice. And I'll tell you why, apart from his good music, I love the fact and, and what I find inspiring is this notion of giving back. Mm. So I love the work he's doing around his philanthropy work of supporting people from underprivileged areas yeah. to, to access universities that previously or possibly they wouldn't have access to. I love the work he's doing around enabling young writers to be able to get published. I just think he's not afraid to speak up when he needs to be um, and not necessarily worried about what is politically correct. He's worried about doing the right thing as opposed to being, you know, to be seen to be liked. Yeah, absolutely. Stormzy is such a brilliant, I think, influence and um, figure for also bridging cultures together and, and I think really raising awareness of, as you say, Dave, the, the issues that underprivileged communities sometimes face in terms of, you know, social mobility, getting into universities and, and you know, access to, to places like Cambridge and Oxford. So, yeah, I love that choice. Stormzy also loves KFC. You did not mention that. I just think we it is worth saying that. I agree. Absolutely worth saying. I agree, Meg. But who inspires you, Meg? So I have two that I've chosen. Oh. Dame Sharon White, who is the, I think they call her managing director or CEO of the John Lewis Partnership. Um, and then also Karen Blackett, OBE, I believe is the right letters after her name. Um, and she is the UK MD of WPP, which is a huge media and creative services agency. I'm really inspired by both of them because they are at the top of their field in fields that are really traditionally and still today predominantly white, predominantly male. They both have worked their way up from, you know, the kind of very beginning from mm. from the entry level. I can see a lot of myself in them, you know. Um, and like you said, Dale, about Stormzy, they also are really intentional about using their positions mm, to do good in spaces, to give back to the community. I think there's something so impressive about someone like a Sharon White or a Karen Blackett or a Stormzy. The, the pressure you must feel when you are representing an underrepresented group, not only just to do your job well, but to be a role model and to give back, to allow people to follow you, the, that pressure is is, I think, quite Huge. immense. Yeah. Um, to be able to still be on the top of your game and doing all those things is totally inspiring, I think. It's a really good point you just say there, Meg, because I think there is that expectation, right? I've got to, you know, be almost that role model for my community and they do it so well and in, in every way, whether it's in the boardroom or mm. being able to, you know, talk to so many different um, cultures and ethnicities. But 
so authentically. And I, I love Sharon and, and both and Karen. I think they are, yeah, as you say, just brilliant leaders and um, game changers, right, in their, in their industries. Last but not least, Josh, who, who inspires you the most? My role model would actually have to be Marcus Rashford. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, so obviously, young black footballer. Yeah. Um, he almost has the pressure of his world on his shoulders at all times. I mean, every day, every week, he has like a, a limelight on him. People look to criticise wherever possible. And he has to take this on, on in life, yeah. um, just naturally. And I guess it's kind of like, fam- I can familiarise with that because... You almost have to be resilient yeah. as a young black person um, growing up in the UK. Um, there's a lot of challenging factors that are involved on the day to day. And I just love what Marcus Rashford actually stands for. And even though he has all of these different pressures and the way he has to navigate his life as well, he's still able to campaign regularly against racism, homelessness and also child poverty as well. Yeah. Um, he actually had a massive influential impact during COVID. 19, where he actually got the government to make the U-turn on the child support program with yes. the food don- the food mm-hmm. donation program, especially. Um, yeah, he's just hugely inspiring character for me. Love that. It was during COVID, wasn't it, that the um, his picture was painted. The mural. Yes. Um, yeah. The mural, yes. In was it in Manchester where he was from? Yeah. Yep. And um, and then it was defaced, wasn't it? I think during the George Floyd um, Black Lives Matter. I, I think I can't remember when it was defaced, but it then was restored again like during I can't and I, and I can't remember the timeline the but community came yes, out didn't they absolutely and and almost made it even bigger and yes. better than it was before and it was I think that's as you say Josh like that is he's got a galvanizing force right to inspire so many generations and I think his heart because he's so heart-led in what he does and what he believes in um he is yeah truly inspirational to so many people love all of those um all those inspirational figures josh let's let's stay with you so josh you grew up in wolverhampton which is you know a really diverse city i know it's got a huge uh, west indian community in wolverhampton and, and the midlands generally you touched upon some of your experiences during uh talking about marcus rashford but i would love to hear just you know what it was like growing up and just some of your experiences so we can share you know what the lived experience for black people in the UK is is like yeah so obviously I live local to Wolverhampton but actually where I grew up it wasn't actually as diverse as central Wolverhampton is um so I grew up as one of a, a couple black families on my estate in my younger years, especially when you get into the education system and you start to venture out, it was hugely challenging for me. Um, I think at the time you don't actually realise what's actually associated with like racism. You kind of have a have a guess at what what is and what isn't. But yeah, I guess through my younger years, especially heading into secondary school as well, um, yeah, I had to face a lot of like racist slurs. Like you could be walking around on the street and people would just call out things whilst wow. driving by and stuff. Um, and actually I actually now live closer to Wolverhampton so closer to where this diverse community is and the difference is actually significant really? it is so different um, I, I've, I can't remember the last the last time I ever um, yeah, had anything racist um, thrown against me and I actually just think it's part of that diverse setting I think yes. when you're actually growing up people are probably 
they're not conscious of what they're saying and obviously I was young, I was black, people thought, okay, like this guy's a little bit different and people approach it slightly differently and I think it's that maturity piece as well that actually when you start to grow older, you start to actually realise the impact it can have on people. Like it actually had such a significant impact on myself mentally. I think even though, um, I mean, I'm close to 30 now and if I was to plan travel anywhere, I think I pre-look into is this is this location that I'm actually going to diverse? Yeah. Wow. Because if it's not diverse, me and my partner I'd have a discussion with and I'm like, actually you know what, I don't feel like I want to go to this location or I don't want to go on to holiday in this location. Um so it does have like huge ramifications like in, in our futures as well and I think that's important um to to let everyone know that as well. Um I think for me what I didn't do when I was younger was actually speak up yes. about it because I, there's almost like a fear of what I, what will be the consequence if I actually speak up on this now like who do I reach out to I mean I wasn't even comfortable to go to my own parents about it because mm. if they go and raise it with the school or raise it here then is there still going to be a consequence to me so I almost kind of like locked myself up inside and didn't want to express I didn't know how to express myself and there wasn't really no I didn't have that feeling of like belonging at that moment in time as well. So it was it was really a mixed bag experience for me in my younger year years. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so different now. But I think that's the importance of diversity, no matter where you go. Absolutely. I just want to touch on a couple of things you you mentioned, like not speaking up, because you you when you are the minority, there is so much more attention right on you, and so you feel like, do I just stay in the shadows and I'm just going to go unnoticed? And if you raise awareness of something, then you become even more exposed and you feel, right, that you're yeah, vulnerable to just opinions and criticism. And I remember when I was in secondary school and um, there was an incident, a racist incident with, in, in my science class. And my mum, who's a black woman, she was came down the school and I was like, no, mum, you're going to, you're going to, like, it's almost like, I know you're black, but I'm going to expose you. <laughs> like, you're like, you're almost like you're not, um, if you get what I mean. And um, But what that did is it made it acceptable to make racism not acceptable, you know, to actually say this isn't right and it puts a line in the sand. So, yeah, there is, I absolutely hear, you know, it does come with maturity, right, that you realise as you get older and a lot of people are actually ignorant as well. Yes. It's a lot, it comes from racism, it often comes from a place of ignorance, which is why you know, having diversity so intentional within a place like KFC, it's so important for us to, you know, really embrace that so we all feel like we can be our authentic self. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Day, I would love to just turn to you now, actually. You moved over to the UK from Nigeria and I would love to know what it was like for you first moving here. Like, you know, the UK now, I guess, compared to when you when you came very different place different. right yeah and yeah we'd just love to hear a bit about what your experiences were yeah so i i've had plenty of reflection on this i think i will always say my formative years were spent in nigeria so for me what i knew my templates um and actually you weren't any different you were just yeah. there that lived with everyone in a community and i was lucky to an extent that i landed in southeast london and in those early days the community stays together. So it's important when you move to a location, like it's often true recommendation or family member. So you tend to walk into an area where everything you do still remains the same. People speak the same language. 
and all the way to going to school. So going to school in South East London, for those that know that area well, everyone's just the same. Yeah. Like it, it's just never felt any different. But I think the more you reflect, the more you, you realise actually, like similar to what Josh was saying, like there were instances of things that I probably didn't understand because I didn't codify them as, as racism. It was always put away as a joke or something that someone just said and, and it's easier to bury it and say, I'd rather move on than actually tackle them head on. Which, you know, when you reflect on it now, you think you had an opportunity to educate an opportunity to call out and, and people are not doing it because often because they're bad people, it's because they don't know any better. And then I went to Liverpool to, to uni and that was my first shot cast to, wow, like this is, this is something else. Like visibly being in an area where you're just not that many people that look like you in, in an area where the ignorance was probably more uh, visible. And and it's interesting because after a few conversations, you realize people say things like, my brother told me this or my dad told me this. It's not really their lived experience or opinion. It's often because of something someone has said to them. And then you then play back to actually my parents as well and, and my early days of moving to the UK, often their templates and what they're trying to impose on us as to their experience. And then you, you realize that everyone is causing a web of people know what they know and, and you ask what's changed. I think in these days, the people are not afraid to speak up. Mm. I think having conversations like today gives people an opportunity to learn, which is important. And then actually you, you walk around and uh, I'll use an example of, um, of an African shop, which used to be gold. So um, there's something when like having the comfort of home and, and being able to go to places where you can buy food that reminds you of home is important. And, and when I first moved to the UK, Brixton, was the only place we could go. The only problem was, like, notoriously, Brixton was a place where you, we used to say you never drive into because it was so rough. <laughs> so getting a box to Brixton to go get food used to feel like you were taking a, a big risk, but obviously it's not that. It, it was just something we laughed at. And and you go down the street today and, you know, in Sainsbury's, Tesco's and, and your local retail stores, there's what I feel like African food being sold yes. uh, on the shelf. So um, I think the, the world has changed a lot. For the better having a daughter who was um african and british um I'm, I'm delighted that she gets to grow up in this world because hopefully all of the things that i live through that we live through uh, it would be a totally different experience for her so um yeah positive yeah i i laugh because i'm i grew up in norfolk my mum would always try and look for plantain and you know just Caribbean food which you just couldn't find so we'd go I remember we'd go in to, Norfolk no you actually couldn't so I remember we, whenever we'd go to London for like for uh, to see family we'd just ha we'd have cases of food to exactly come back that. with us because you just couldn't find it whereas now there is a Caribbean restaurant that's opened in Norfolk like and that was you know in the space of 30 years so Absolutely, things are like migration, even within the UK, allows people to make areas more diverse. And I think, you know, that diversity and learning from others' cultures is what enables us to not have that ignorance of, you know, oh, I'm, I don't, I'm not familiar with your culture, so therefore it's going to be a blockage to how I get to know you as, as a person. Dayo, why do you think Black History Month is actually so important to recognise and sort of celebrate in, in the UK? I always say it shouldn't be a Black History Month, I think it should be a Black yeah. History Year or, yes. or every time. But I think it's important to to take pause and, and celebrate heroes that, that paved the way. Because if 
uh, just reflecting on my experiences and then go 20, 30 years back, what that would have been like. So it's important because they, they give us an opportunity to uh, celebrate, recognize, but also take a pause and, and educate. Because I think when you have a space like this and you can be intense about the conversation or, or the opportunity we have, we can probably break down a few more of those barriers that are still persist in certain areas. You know, imagine a world where you don't have to look at the place you're going to go on holiday, Josh. And uh, it totally resonates, by the way, because, you know, you often one of the things we get asked is, like, how mobile are you at work? And you have to really think about that because, you know, there's, there's some places that you go, mm, maybe not right now, but maybe later. So... Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, to that point of looking at where you're going, um, I think there isn't even a website which says, which says black travellers, like where are good places to go and which are acceptable to, for, for black communities and where is not. Um, Meg, you are such an ally and advocate in, the, in this space. And, you know, being able for us to do something like this, you know, having this conversation here at KFC is so important. You know, why... why f- do you think for us as a, as a um, as a workplace, it's important to you know commemorate and recognise things like like Black History Month? Well, I think it goes to what I think Dale you were mentioning and Shaf you hit on it earlier. It's about learning and educating people. Most people, like nine over ninety nine percent of people, are not bad people. They do not get out of bed to be awful human beings but they don't know because they haven't had the lived experience and in this day and age sometimes it's hard to ask questions and so creating a safe space even if it has to be a month which I agree it's you know ideally you get to the place where you don't need a month but creating a safe space to allow people to learn and to feel comfortable asking questions like I asked you earlier about the detail and the yes. history of of the Windrush movement because I you know haven't learned that growing up because I was in the US and I felt comfortable doing that and so I think there is just something in yeah creating the safety and and the reason why that's important is that if you're trying to create and we are we're aspiring to create a workplace that is inclusive and and the reason why that's really important is because we want people to do their best work, absolutely, to be the yeah. best version of themselves, to fulfill their potential every day. And the only way that someone will live up to their very maximum p- potential is if they're in a space where they can feel comfortable, yeah. where they feel safe, where they can just be themselves, where they aren't wasting energy trying to belong or fit in or be someone else or look like someone else or sound like someone else. And so the more we can do to help every single person, no matter what their background, feel like that when they come to work. That's why we need to do these types of things. Agree. And there's probably things all of us are doing that might make someone else feel uncomfortable. And until you learn it, you can't change the behavior. Agree. I have to say, and I said, I've I've said this to others sort of within Team Radio, you know, I joined KFC two and a half years ago now, and it's the most inclusive place that I've ever worked. And it's the place where I've, I've genuinely been able to be authentic because it it allows you that space and the appetite for learning about other people and and backgrounds is just second to none and you know you feel more relaxed as a a person as well like you don't have to put on a show or you know conform or you know what I mean and it's and it's it's liberating I think that's why you know things like Black History Month are important because it does it allows us to focus on um 
on what other communities also experience. And as you say, as you say Meg, allow that safety of, of conversation. Meg, I guess, why does diversity matter for, for you, for us at KFC? I think it's about what I said before around creating an environment where people can be their absolute best. And it's not just to be nice. I mean, obviously, I love that we can come to work and love being at work and you you don't have to have the anxiety of trying to be someone else. That's like nice. But really, it drives business results. Yes. Um, and if you want to be the top performing company in your industry or in, in any industry, you need to have the best people, um, especially a business like ours. Mm. And you know, you need to capture the top talent of all the people. Like if you're only a place to work for one portion of the population, then, you, you know, by definition, you're missing out on all this great talent in other areas of the population. And then you need those people. Once you get them in, you need those people to be able to be as successful as possible at what they do and to want to stay. And and then those people will attract other amazing mm-hmm. talent. So I, I think it's 100% a business imperative. And there's lots and lots of data that backs that up. I mean, there's a McKinsey report. I think we've shared this widely with people. But the numbers are something like um, if you are in top quartile for racial and ethnic diversity, then you are 35%, and that's like quite a big number, 35% more likely to have financial returns above the industry mean. And those in the top quartile for gender diversity were 15% more likely to have wow. returns above the industry mean. So it does pay off. Yeah. But it makes sense because you're 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 capturing the best people yeah. and creating a space for them to be their best. Yeah. And it's a diversity of thought as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you don't want everyone thinking the same. No. Um, as powerful. And and Meg, you actually said something during RSC, and I don't even know if you remember saying this, during RSC comms, when you were looking at your goals. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. It's but it really... Good. <laughs> no, it's good. Because it really... Um, really inspired me um, because you said, and, I, and, I'm, and I've got it here, one of your um, diversity and inclusion goals was around increasing gender and ethnically diverse talent. And you said to establish KFC as a world-class talent magnet, literally what you just spoke about, especially for women and underrepresented minorities in QSR and retail. You know, ha- having that as the leader of, of KFC with that goal, I was like, wow, because this that means you are integrating something which you know so many people can say oh it's the fluffy stuff it's you know it's on the side but actually you're integrating it into your business goals and your objectives what would you say to those who perhaps haven't yet got you know diversity and uh, EIB goals as part of their of, of their goal for for this year or and actually as we're going into goal season for next year what, what would what would you say to, to that the first thing I would say is that um Educate yourself mm-hmm. and learn because it's got to be authentic. Yes. I really do like very strongly believe that it will make a difference to our ability to be um, a top performing business over the long run. Um, but it will take investment and take an intentional use of my time, which is why it's important that it's a goal. If I kind of keep it in the side bit, then you're not intentional about your behaviors. You're not intentional about measuring it. You're not intentional about allocating resource there. Um, and that's why I think the goal is is really important. Um, and YUM is 
now they have introduced, or I think they will maybe from next year. So they are introducing for certain levels and above, um, or LTs um, in markets around the world will have EIB goals and will be measured against those. So not just to have the goal, but it will be linked to your to your YLB wow. metrics, um, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And what I would say to people is it doesn't have to be like world changing. <laughs> Right, because yeah. it can be a bit scary, and I've sometimes I've seen these, you know, these goals, and they're written like they're going to basically change all of society. And the thing <laughs> is, just find something that you care about, and and then just be intentional about making a difference or making some progress, and try to make it tangible and concrete. Um, so yeah, I think goals are important. I think they will be linked to your ability to drive business success, which all of our goals should be aimed at. Um, and just start with something kind of authentic to you is, I guess, where I'd sum up. Love that. Because if you, and actually, Meg, if, you know, if you're not authentic, if it's not authentic to you, what's your success and drive in actually achieving that? So yeah, absolutely love that. Thank you, Meg. Josh, I'd love to turn back to you. You were one of our absolute leading RGMs. Uh, now you're in the RSC, you know, a different role. And I'm sure that there were so, so many diverse people in your team as, as a restaurant manager. Um, how important was it I guess for you and for them to have somebody who was a black RGM to look up to and lead the team. I mean, for me, I didn't actually realise how much of an impact it was going to have just being a black RGM, um, especially in the last restaurant that I took over. The first week that I was in there and I was meeting and greeting with the team, so many people turned around and was just like, you know what, it's so good to have a black RGM. Wow. And and I think from straight wow. away from that moment, it was like inspiring for me. It was like... I want to deliver anyway, but in terms of like just being diverse and inclusive for the whole team as well, I think it just just set that expectation straight away from me, which is I really need to deliver on behalf of my team as well. And yeah, it was just it was just honestly incredible. And I think just actually being a black RGM as well is inspiring and motivating for people to be able to see, Um, especially developing from an RGM and going into the RSC. I think that's a lot of long-term goals for a lot of our team members out there and team leaders and assistant manager population as well. And I think when they actually see that progression, it's like, you know what, actually, this is is something that's very achievable, something that I really want to get into, something I really want to do. Even when I was leaving restaurant to come into the RSC again when I was leaving like a lot of the team were like oh it's so good to see um, another black like another black person just going into the RSC and it was celebrated by team members wow. as well especially and yeah it was just honestly it was it made me really passionate like I'm all, I've always been passionate for whatever I do in life anyway um, but yeah it, it motivated me a lot um, but it was really good to see that from the team as well and I think it actually goes beyond just team members and team leaders and assistants and the population of, as, as part of the brand um, the actual community as well so um, black guests that come to the restaurant they'll be like oh are you a manager and I'll be like yeah I'm, I'm the manager <laughs> um, and they're like oh you're just 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 a team leader and I'm like no I'm the manager of this <laughs> restaurant and they're like wow Wow. And then it just opened up different conversations yes. and they'll be like, oh, I've got my daughter's due to leave school soon or my son's due to leave oh, soon, school soon. Like, you are attracting opens, the best talent. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is case in point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and honestly, yeah. it just opened up 
a complete different dialogue of conversation. Um, and you just got to embrace that week in, week out. Um, and it was really nice to see as well, you'd have these customers then repeatedly coming back and they'd be like, oh, he's joshing. Oh, wow. Um, and you just pop out like, you, you know what I mean? It was just like that connection with, with the community as well. And I think that that was really, really purposefully um, meaningful as well for the for the community as well as for the teams as well to look up to. Um, yeah, it just opened. A, a, I had a complete different lens on everything once wow. I started to have these interactions as well. Um, so I do think having that diverse leadership, um, especially RGMs as well. Um, yeah, it's it's important for our restaurant teams, but it's actually important for our communities as well. I absolutely love that, Josh. There's that phrase, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. It's just so inspiring. Absolutely, hands down, amazing. Like, just so amazing. Deo, you've been at KFC for a, for a while now. How many years has it been, Deo? Well, <clears throat> eight years. Eight years, there yeah, you go. Feels, That's that yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, you know, what do you appreciate most about our culture, um, you know, and how it fosters black and diverse talent? Yeah, probably like uh, I'll lean into some of the things that uh, Meg and Josh have, have spoken about. I think first and foremost, I feel like I belong. Mm. Like it's so taxing, and and this is like some real life examples where where you know a few friends have said this, where you have to be two different people. Yes, either you have to speak differently, or you have to hold back your thoughts because you know you're you're afraid of being judged or not being accepted. I feel from day one, it always been like we're all a bunch of individuals and the fact that we accepted as that and and like Meg said you really just come in and do your best work and, and that's all we ask of you uh, objective is to grow business growth and to do that we need you to be your best self it's, it's like any athlete you do your best to make sure they're in top peak and and I feel like the coach here supports that I also feel and and I'm so glad that Josh told that little story about his journey to where he is today because I think in the early days of radio we always said representation matters Yes. Mm. and how do we get to a place where um, if you look at our workforce in, in our restaurants and then look at the uh, the mix in, in the RSE we've always had the ambition of like how do we change that yes. so people can actually say just because I am a team member today doesn't mean I can't get to that place, you know, and, and it's important that you see people that have been on that journey because it gives you that belief that, that happens. So I'm super proud, if I can use that word, because they're not only are we talking about it, but we're living it because we've got examples like Josh, which is like real life and, and that's happening. And then I also think like the the organization, the culture is also open to to learning. Um, if you just look at where we've been in the journey um, since George Floyd, well before that, and, and look at Young globally and the intent around yeah. uh, creating organization mm -hmm. structure to support EIB. Uh, if you look at the affinity groups, which radio is one of, and, and look at just like the, the support, both from a monetary point of view, but also having the space and, and the opportunity to have frank, open, honest conversation and, and for people to learn. Um, I think those has been really, really good and something that, that the business has been really kind to support with because I think, like, like you said, Meg, recognising the benefit that it brings in the long term. Uh, one of the things we, we often speak about working in supply chain is probably two things that are tough for working in supply chain. One is trying to find female talent to come and work in supply chain, but trying to find diverse talent female talent to work in supply chain is just impossible so you know we've been we've been always talking about and, and this is why the collaboration with 10,000 black interns uh, over the last couple of years has been important because i think 
they, they, the magic sauce as we call it is like if you can get people through the door in KFC like the Absolutely. job is done but it's often how do we become um, attractive to people outside of of the the, the coop that then they say this is a place we want to work and, and that could come from uh, word of mouth so by me by Josh by Shaf uh, by other people having a good experience that you then relate to your friends see your family which then grows because then they see this as a place where um, they can come so um, someone said it like if you talk the talk but don't walk the walk often people will get through the door but then go straight back exactly. out like a revolving yeah. door right so um, all of those things and, and there's quite a few in there but I think it's, it's loads of things that we're doing that feels like we're on the right path but more importantly you can just walk through that door every single day and just be you. I just love that, Dale. And I think part of that is at every level, every coach, every manager of teams, every leader of people needs to have inclusive leadership training. They, they need to learn what they don't know. Yeah. And so we're, we are doing that. I just last week, I think it was only like three days ago now, we had the uh, directors and LT in, for a full day just on inclusive leadership training. And it was just mind-blowing. I've actually done the training before and again, doing the second time, it was still mind-blowing. Just the level of bias that yes. each of us carries, even against our own selves. <laughs> I, it is it is amazing, yes. actually. You get me to yeah. write, tell me what you think about women. Just not anyone you know, just general women. And it really is scary. But it's like almost leaning into that and training our coaches and managers for then how do you get the best out of people when you've got biases that you don't even know your brain is operating on you and you don't know what's necessarily going on in someone's lives and helping, giving them all the tools they need to enable these people we get in the door to be successful. Gosh. Sorry, I took o- I took over. For that a was a great Sorry. takeover. <laughs> Absolutely welcomed. Um, and I think that's a great place to, to to actually leave because you know this is all about how can we educate one another, create safe spaces, and leaving on you know also retaining mm-hmm. the ambition to um, excel diverse talent, black talent, all talent, actually. And being intentional about that is just absolutely key. Thank you so much for just sharing, for being honest, for being your authentic selves. And I think this is a great way for us to start Black History Month. For everyone listening, we're going to be holding events at the RSC and we'll be sending materials, whether that's from podcasts and books to music, exhibitions and films, so you can learn more about Black History Month and also Black British culture. All that's left to say is thank you. And we are going to be listening to many more podcasts uh, in our in our series. And uh, the next one up is Diwali, which we're super excited about. But if you want to find more about the communities of belonging at KFC, such as KF Pride, Wolfpack and Radio, head to the vault and search Affinity Groups. All that's left to say is over and out. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Chef. Thank you,